All right, well, good morning. It's good to see you guys today. Uh, I am so thankful to be here. Uh, We're gonna open up God's word together. So let's turn our Bibles to Psalm 119. Uh, Psalm 119, you can find uh, it in a Bible that you uh, brought, hopefully, from home or an electronic device that has the Bible app. I encourage you to find it uh, this morning. My name is Jesse Peters, and I get the privilege of leading our middle school and high school students here at Grace, and it's a joy, it's a privilege, it's so amazing, and uh, God's been doing Doing some fantastic things. Uh, some of us were here last night and got to experience uh, the Next Up conference. And uh, just re- really quick, um, yeah, it was really exciting. God's doing some amazing things, and uh, there were salvations and people turning to the Lord. Um, and it was just, yeah, it was just really, really special, uh, special evening. So uh, God's God's on the move, and uh, we just want to continue to celebrate, praise Him, um, and then hear more from Him and His Word. Um, so if you found uh, Psalm one nineteen, let's jump in. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix, your eye, fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Let's pray. Father, we, we pray and we thank you for what you're going to do through your word. With our Bibles open before us, God, we, we want you to be our teacher. We need you to be our teacher. We freely acknowledge that we come here with uh, no ability to live a perfect life, no ability to uh, seek you as we should. And so we need you to work and to enable us to hear your word, to apply it to our lives um, so that we can continue to live in step with you, God. And so we pray that you would free us from any distractions, anything that would come in the way so that we could hear from you today, God. We need you to speak to us. So we turn our gaze to your word. We turn our gaze to you, God, to give you all the glory and praise. And so we thank you that you are going to work. And so we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, perhaps some of us were a little nervous when I said to turn to Psalm 119, uh, because some of you may have lunch plans or plans today, and you thought maybe I was going to read all 176 verses and then expound on them. So you were probably relieved in some ways that I stopped after verse 16. You're like, all right, uh, can I get up and leave? Is that appropriate? Like, yeah. So I'm thankful that you guys are still here, and I'm thankful... uh, 
Yeah, thankful for God's word. But in all seriousness, uh, Psalm 119 is so rich. And uh, I wanted us to study a few verses to kind of like uh, get our appetite. I know it's lunchtime, so we're thinking about that. And so to get our appetite on God's word and to think about uh, the, the magnitude of God's word, how he's revealed his, who he is, his character, and then also uh, that he has a plan of salvation for us to be close with him through Jesus Christ, and it's all found in God's word. And so uh, Psalm 119 is easily, easily the longest chapter in our Bible. And so some of us probably know that because we've probably been walking through different Bible reading plans, and then we come to Psalm 119, and we're just like, oh my goodness, this never ends. It's like page after page after page. Um, and then so sometimes we might just like skip it or we may just turn it on to the audio version and then just like do some housework and the vacuum cleaner's going and that sort of thing. Uh, <laughs> guilty of all those things. So if that's you, like, we probably can connect in more ways than, than not. But my point is we miss so much of the treasure trove that's in here in Psalm 119 if we just skip it and we don't actually read it and apply it to our lives. And so today, my goal is to kind of give us a little bit of, uh, um, yeah, like nuggets to like go home and read it for ourselves and to study it uh, ourselves um, and not to uh, just get bogged down and discouraged. But we do can take some great comfort in knowing uh, that throughout history, church history, uh, this psalm has been uh, both a blessing in more ways than one because of its length. Um, and one such case was uh, George uh, Wishart was a bishop in Edinburgh, and he was being persecuted for his faith and actually was being condemned for believing in Jesus Christ. And so he was going to the stake to be um, killed. And so what was the custom at that time was they were allowed, the condemned person was allowed to have one song sung. And so he chose Psalm 119. And so before two-thirds of the psalm was read or sung, they pardoned him and they, they gave up and they just let him go home. So it does, yeah, there has some benefits of being the longest chapter in the Bible. So um, for other people, though, it's been a great source of coming back and back to God's word to find his truth applied to our life. And so Matthew Henry, uh, who maybe some of us are familiar, uh, has written a really great Bible commentary that many of us still use today. And the reason I think that he had such a great love for God's word and expounding it was because his father uh, told him as a young boy to meditate on one psalm from one, or one verse from Psalm 119 to meditate on it. And so over the course of his life, he meditated on it time and time again, uh, and that great love for God's word came out of that. Uh, Martin Luther, the great Protestant ref, uh, reformer, uh, he professed that this was his most favorite psalm, and he prized it so highly that he would not take the whole world in exchange for one leaf or one stanza of this psalm. Uh, the scholars, they, they believe that David perhaps was the, the author, but there's no, uh, God didn't reveal uh, the author to us um, and didn't preserve it, so it, there's no need to really speculate. However, as we read through it, we can clearly see this is a lifetime of someone pouring over God's word, applying it to life, and then reflecting and praising God for his revealed word. And so uh, it's not something that the, the author sat down one afternoon and just cranked it out and wrote it. But it's a lifetime of pouring over God's revealed word and then sharing it with the next generation. And so if you think about that for us, that should give us some comfort as we read through it, not to just blaze through it, but to kind of soak in it and to meditate on it and reflect on it time and time again throughout our life. 
Some introduction to this psalm, and some of us may be familiar, and we see that in our own English Bibles, is this is a alphabetic acrostic poem, which means there's 22 stanzas of eight verses. And so some of our English Bibles, you can kind of see that, it's broken up, and then there's usually a heading between each stanza. And some of those words were like, what in the world are these different words? Uh, Is this, yeah, what is going on here? Let me explain. This is the Hebrew alphabet. And so each stanza begins, uh, uh, each verse in the stanza begins with that letter from the alphabet. So for example, the verses one through eight begin with the first letter in the Hebrew alphabet, which is Aleph. And then the second stanza of eight verses is Beth, the second letter in the Hebrew alphabet, and so on and so forth, all the way through all 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So a good practice is reading and meditating on Psalm 119, and before long, you'll know the alphabet in the Hebrew language. Pretty impressive. Don't have to go to seminary for that. It's just right here for us in our Bibles. You can go to seminary. I learned so much and uh, so grateful for that. So uh, moving on. So as we look at the first stanza here, verses one through eight, we see Aleph as the first Hebrew word. And uh, the letter here, it, 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 uh, it, it means kind of master or first. And so we see this as setting the tone for the concluding stanzas in this poem. And so I have two points today. I know most pastors usually have like three or five or 22 or something like that. But today, you only get two. And so you gotta pay attention and follow along. And some people are excited because, uh, yeah, they have lunch at 12.15. So here we go. I'm just thankful, sorry, I'm just thankful that I have this much time because in middle school and high school where I teach, I don't get all this time. So that's why I chose the longest passage because like, man, I got so much time. Let's go, let's go, let's dive in. Okay, so point number one, the blessing the blessing of a heart for God. The blessing of a heart for God. And so uh, I see this here in the first stanza as we see the language that the psalmist kind of unpacks here. You see that, and if we know our Bibles, we reflect back to Psalm 1 and other passages where it says, blessed is the man, blessed is the person, right? Blessed here in Psalm 119, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. And so, uh, sorry, we gotta slow down a little bit because the Bible is written such a way that even in our English translation, we see the magnitude and the poetic uh, play on words here. And so we see the way, the, the walk here, and those two connect together. We see here the blameless, the aspect of walking blameless before the Lord. And so blessed is those people, right, or joyful, as the, the New Living Translation translates it, Joyful are the people of integrity. The psalmist is saying here in a masterful and a poetic way that the undefiled, the blameless, the holy, set-apart way of life is the blessed one, which is contrary to probably what we've heard in culture and social media and maybe even with our neighbors and things that don't follow Jesus, is that, yeah, you gotta live it up, man. This is the only life we got, so just, you know, whatever floats your boat, just do it, you know? And if you have a boat, even better, float it. But what the psalmist says here is actually the blameless life is the blessed one. Wow. I don't think we see that in, on bumper stickers or on boats or things like that, right? The blameless life is the blessed one. What is going on here? And so it talks about here throughout the passage, they walk in the law of the Lord. And so you think about that for our own context and thinking about what the psalmist is getting at here is that God has designed our human lives to not be a, a total train wreck, right? And so he gives us his, his written word for us to continue to follow him, to enjoy him forever, and to bring glory to him. 
And so you think about it for our own lives. The blameless, the way to have a blessed life is living in step with God's word. And so we see that throughout the, the text here. And I need to point out here that those who walk in the law of the Lord, the psalmist uses the law here, and this is the first of many such occasions where he'll use that word law or uh, synonyms for that. And so in the English um, translations that we have, we have about eight different words that the psalmist will use in this psalm alone in reference to God's revealed word. And so we see the first one here, law. In in verse two, we see testimonies. In the next uh, verse, we also see uh, precepts. We see uh, statutes. We see commandments. We see rules. um, And we also see judgments um, and just classic word. And so what the psalmist is getting at here is all about God's revealed word to us. And so we think about the different contexts of the Old Testament law, the Torah, or the Pentateuch of the first five books of the Old Testament, and we see that here, that those are the laws, those are the ones that the people that are blessed, they walk in. And so that's the command. That's the instruction to walk in these ways. And blessed are those who keep his testimonies right, who seek him with their whole heart. Now, you think about this. That person is blessed who keeps God's commandment. And what I thought about when I heard that word keep is, I don't know, maybe we go to different, uh, different lanes or different thought processes about keep. But what I, my mind ran to was in our culture, there's a lot of different voices. There's a lot of different things that are getting thrown out there about here's how to live the perfect life. And we spend thousands, maybe even millions of dollars, right, to try to experience the good life. And God's word has it laid out here, is to walk in step with God. And he's orchestrated. Now, some of us probably have grown up in homes where if mom says something and it doesn't get done, right, that's not a good deal, right? And uh, even as the husband or the dad, right, we're like, "Uh uh-oh, yeah, we gotta, gotta, let's let's get this done. Let's get this, uh, this project finished, right? And it's the same thing with God, right? When we, the reason we do these things is not to get like favor with God, like he's gonna you know, bless us automatically, but things just naturally go well. If you talk to any mom, she's not asking us to do the dishes because she's angry with us, or uh, she's probably angry with us because we haven't done the dishes, but, but the reason the first place she wants us to do the dishes is so that we have dishes to eat food the next meal, right? And if you live in a household with a number of kids, right, you pretty soon run out of dishes and then you're using Frisbee discs or you're using your hands for food, right? And that's not good, right? And so the reason these rules and instructions is for the house to be in order. And so when we think about God giving us the law, giving us his word, it's not to condemn us, not to uh, push us down, but it's in order for us to experience what he wants us to experience. You think about the Garden of Eden, Genesis 1, Genesis 2. What was the purpose? Adam and Eve were to multiply, to preserve, to work the ground, and it was for God's uh, pleasure and his plan for them to enjoy him and glorify him forever. But sin entered the word, in, into the wor- world, and what was it? It was it was Satan that twisted God's word. Did God really say not to eat that tree? Did he really say that? Twisting God's word, right, to get them off track. And so for us, we need to keep 
right? In step with God and his word. And so for many of us, there's different uh, images, but for me, I was thinking about growing up on a farm, and uh, when you work the soil to plant, uh, it gets pretty like there's um, dead furrows, and there's clods, and there's all sorts of uh, obstacles, so there's not good soil. And so you gotta break it up, you gotta flatten it, and you gotta make it ready for planting. And so my dad, when he taught me, was you need to fix your eyes on an angle to something that's unmovable, and so you don't want to go around and around because that will just kind of make it uneven, right? It's got to be flat. So you got to work it on an angle um, so that it's ready to be planted. And so he said, do not fix your eyes on something that can move. Cows can move. Deer can move. Coyotes can move. Sometimes pickups move, right? People move. But a telephone pole, a tree, something that's, that doesn't move, fix your eyes on that and go straight ahead. And he said, it's gonna be bouncy. It's gonna, you're gonna be tossed to and fro. It's gonna be distracting. It's gonna be a long ways. You're gonna wanna give up. You're gonna wanna find smoother soil or smoother direction. But it's in so important, that first pass, to go on an angle that will set the course for the rest of the field. And so when life throws all sorts of curveballs, when there's all sorts of uneven terrain, it's easy for us to start looking for that path that's more uh, smooth, more direct, more uh, uncumbersome, right? But what God's word says is we need to fix our eyes on that unmovable object, that unmovable word that doesn't change, doesn't go out of season or out of style. It's relevant, it's, it's, it never fades, but continues to give us truth. And so when we think about uh, all of this, right, we fix our eyes on God's word. We don't, uh, we don't wanna stumble in honoring him. We wanna choose to follow his word in the midst of the storms. And what I find is in our generation, it's super easy to fall away and to take our eyes off of God's word. It's easy to start looking at our friends, looking at what the world has to offer, and we take our eyes off of that. And so oftentimes, we need to determine ahead of time what God's word says and follow it. Daniel was captured and taken into exile in Babylon and he was pressured and told that you gotta eat the king's food. You gotta follow all the king's rules in this new land. You're a captive and so this is the way it is. And in Daniel chapter one, he says uh, he determined ahead of time. I think we have it on the screen, yeah. Uh, Daniel said that he resolved that he would not defile himself or disobey God's commands and eat the food. He would not. He determined beforehand. He, he resolved beforehand. Before he even got in that situation, he decided that he was going to honor God's word and honor God. In our lives today, we're, we step into meetings, into relationships, into different things, and are we going to take God's word and determine ahead of time, no, this is the line I've determined I'm not going to compromise in this area. Today's age, it's easy to compromise in sexuality, it's easy to compromise in ethics, in morality, in different areas of life. Are we determined ahead of time because we know that the blessed life is one walking in step with God's word? And so as we think about this passage here, we come back to verse four, and that the Lord has commanded your precepts to be kept diligently, right? And so you, you see here, the psalmist connects that commanded obedience with the blessings to be obedient, Right? And so this isn't, a, 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 you know, God doesn't command us because it uh, honors him, but it, it fulfills what he has called us to do. It's the path to blessing. And so you think about, we all want to enjoy what God has for us. And so we ask him, like, you've commanded these, and I'm going to follow them. 
And so we see this right here as a prayer, right? Have you ever not known what to pray? You can pray scripture. You can pray the Bible. And right here, the psalmist says, you have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Scholars believe, commentators have said that this is like a prayer that the psalmist uses here. And so we think about, Lord, you've commanded it. Help me. Help me to keep this diligently. Now, I want us to, to see that word kept. I mean, there's so many words here. I hope you're not looking at me and you're actually looking at, at your Bibles and underlining, circling different words because it's amazing. The word here, kept, right? You kept diligently. How can you keep something if you don't have it? If you don't have God's commandments, your precepts, if you don't know them, how are you supposed to keep them? And so you gotta know them. You gotta study them. You gotta read them. How are you gonna keep them if you don't know them? I can't keep a million dollars if I don't have a million dollars, right? You can't keep a boat if you don't have a boat. You can't keep, you know, basketball if you don't have a basketball, right? So in order to keep something, you gotta have it. All right, as we continue, in verse six, it says, then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. And so here the psalmist, he prays for power to continue to live that life that's, that's unashamed of God's word. Right? That he wouldn't be put to shame. He wouldn't uh, fall victim to the, the cares and the toils of this world. And so you think about that in our own lives. So many of us probably care way too much about what other people think. And we don't actually spend time about what we're doing to honor God or his word. And so we're, we spend so much time just running around trying to impress people when we really should be focusing on what does God say that lives the blessed life, the, the glorious life. And so, and so we need to focus, keep our eyes fixed on your commandments. Lord, don't let me focus on that promotion, that job, that, um, that, that family that's across the street that has all the cool vacations and toys and stuff. Lord, help me keep my eyes focused on your word. And what's the purpose, right? So that we won't be put to shame. That's the purpose. And so in verse seven, he says, I will praise you with an upright, upright heart when I learn about or learn your righteous rules. Think about that. Man, when I was preparing this week, I was thinking about all the different Sunday school teachers that I've had throughout the different years growing up in church. And I know not everyone gets the opportunity to grow up in church, but can we just like praise the Lord for our Sunday school teachers that are serving our kids downstairs right now? It's amazing and it's not always easy. But I think back to so many of the lessons and the men and women that, that were just faithful to God, what God had for them and taught me the rules and, and God's, God's uh, principles in life. And so we praise the Lord. We praise the Lord for those people, but we praise the Lord for his upright rules. They're not unbalanced. They're not malicious. They're not uh, there to strike us down. They're there to guide us in life. And so as we look at verse eight right here, we come to the last part of our stanza in, in the first stanza here. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. And so you hear that cry, that cry that the psalmist has here. Lord, I wanna keep your statutes. Don't utterly forsake me. And so I know a lot of us, sometimes when we come to church or we, come, or we think about the Bible or read the Bible, we think about it in a lot of like do's and don'ts, right? We read the Old Testament or we read different passages and we're like, man, I can never be perfect. I can never measure up. I fail way too many times. I lie, I cheat, I, I, I do these things. I get really angry in the car when someone cuts me off or there's traffic, uh, you know, and... That's the point. The point is we can't be perfect. We can't uphold the law perfectly. We need a savior. 
We need something, we need someone to mediate for us. And so the psalmist comes to this. I'm, I'm trying, I'm keeping your statutes. Don't utterly forsake me. But before we move on to that and move from this, check that last line. Do not utterly forsake me. That's that cry of someone who wants to be close to God, that wants to seek God, that wants that close relationship with him. And I think if we're really honest with ourselves, is that our driving force within us? Is that our biggest fear? Is that our biggest desire is to be close to God? And our biggest fear is that his presence, we wouldn't be close to him? I think if we're honest, we probably care and some of our fears more align with like, am I gonna have enough money for retirement? Am I gonna make it to, to Friday because this, this job is just really taking a toll on me, right? That's, that's some of our, our thoughts. Rather than, man, Lord, I wanna be so close to you. I'm seeking you. I wanna keep your statutes. And so sometimes we feel, if, if we've been in the church or been connected, and even if we haven't, sometimes we feel like we're on a treadmill that just never ends when it comes to obeying God's, God's uh, law, obeying God's rules here. And, and so it just feels overwhelming. But what the psalmist here is expressing is what many of us maybe feel today. But I wanna tell you that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. As John 1 beautifully captures, Jesus, the Son of God, came down and dwelt among us. And he says that it was the Word, which is just beautifully. I mean, there's the Greek, there's a lot we can research and we can study, and that's beautiful. But I just want, just for simplistic, simplistic terms, to think about that. We're talking about God's Word, right? And then God's Word comes and dwells among us. And we've seen his glory, right, of the only one the Son of God. And so Jesus comes to be that fulfillment of the Old Testament law. In fact, in Matthew chapter five, he says, don't think I've come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have come, right? What has he come? He's not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. He's come to fulfill the Old Testament law. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota or a dot, right? Terms in Greek, will pass away from the, from the law until all is accomplished, and so what we have here is Jesus saying, hey, the Old Testament, the Old Testament pointed to me and pointed to me becoming that mediator between you and God. That in me, that you can have life and life abundantly, right? And so the Old Testament law, it showed us, right? Without the Old Testament law, it, we wouldn't really know why we need a savior, right? We need the Old Testament to see that, man, this is why the world is messed up. Genesis 3, there was sin that entered into the world. And man, families really were affected and relationships really deteriorated. But in that, God was faithful and continued to work to bring about salvation. And so as sinful and imperfect we are, we also see that we have a perfect savior. In Romans, it talks about how we, we have this, the law that shows us our sin, right? And, and Paul walks us through that. And we have that inability to do the right thing, right? Has anybody ever tried to be perfect? It probably lasts like a second, right? And then, and then we, we fall apart. And we're just like, it's, it's just discouraging. And there's despair that sets in. And we look at this and we have, the Bible shows us, right? And, and in verse 15 of Romans 7, Paul talks about something that I think we can all understand, Right, and we can, we can gather. For I do not understand my own actions. Amen? Amen? Amen. 
Uh, For I do not do what I want to do, but I do the very thing I hate. So many of us probably can relate to that. It's like, man, I know the right thing to do, but I just can't do it, right? And so Paul, a little bit later, says, um, um, so I find in it to be a law that when I want to do the right thing, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so we think about, wow, yeah, the Bible's clear. We can't be perfect. We can't be blameless before God according to his word. But we understand at the the same time that God's word and law points us to that blessed life. And as we continue to read our Bibles and study it, we see Jesus being that fulfillment of it. And so as Paul strongly writes to the the church in Galatia in chapter three, right? If we rely on all the works of the law, we're under a curse for it's written. Curse be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law for the righteous shall live by faith, but the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Wow. Okay, that's a long passage. There's some time uh, that you need to set aside to study that too. But what, what the passage here is saying is Christ has been that perfect person that perfect person whose walk is blameless according to the Old Testament law, and yet he takes the curse upon us so that we could continue in the fellowship with God and be seen blameless before him. How powerful, how amazing, how magnificent. And so what the Bible, and that's why we need to study our Bibles from front to back. We can't just focus on one part and not focus on other parts. We gotta read our, read our Bibles That should move us when we understand that we don't have to be perfect. It's not a works-based salvation. It's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That should motivate us to sing praises to him, right? If someone pays the debt for you, you sing and rejoice. Now, that that part of rejoicing, right? If they pay your your bill, you know, at, um, at Taco Bell or something like that, you're excited, you're, you know, pumped, but... It's just a small comparison to the great weight of maybe a mortgage is. Someone pays off a mortgage, you're just indebted to them forever. You're just blown away. You're like, that's an enormous amount. Now think about your soul. Think about your life. The debt that was, that was required was your own life. And yet Jesus stepped in the gap, stepped in to die for you. And that should cause us to praise him and to shout with praise as Psalm 118, right before this psalm does, and just shout for praise. And if, even if you're not like me, you're like me and you can't make a joyful noise, you just make a noise, right? And it's some, hopefully joyful, right? Maybe it's not as beautiful as Liz and the worship team, but it's a joyful noise. And so Psalm 118, just, just for you to, uh, yeah, to read and as well, that last part as it transitions in our Bibles to Psalm 119, it says, you are my God and I will give thanks to you. You are my God and I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. Praise the Lord. 
So what we see here in the first stanza, the first eight verses, is that the blessed life is a heart for God, a desire to live for God because his life, how he orchestrated it, how he designed for us to live, is the best. But we know at the same time that Jesus obeyed the law perfectly for us to be blameless before God. And so this truth causes us to sing for praise. And when we think about what God has done for us, it should motivate us to study his word, to find encouragement, and to live in according to his precepts, how he designed things. And so as we come to our second point, um, we come to the second stanza. And it starts with all the letter Beth, which in the Hebrew, it means home or house. And so the second point here that uh, just made me think of all the application making our heart a home for God's word. Making our heart a home for God's word. All the different uh, passages, or all the different verses in the second stanza begins with this letter, Beth, or home. And so you think about the application of this passage is enormous. But at first it starts with a question, right? How can a young man keep his way pure? That's a great question. Many of us maybe have asked that. And I want us to, before we answer that, to not just think like, oh, that doesn't apply to me. I'm not a young man anymore. I was one day, but I wasn't, uh, I'm not today, right? Or you're sitting here and like, well, I'm so thankful the Bible's not speaking to where I'm at. I would interject and say, no, I think that there is so much that can be learned from this passage and thinking through these terms that we would be amiss if we tried to exclude ourselves from what the passage says. How can a young man keep his way pure? I don't have to share very much or very long about the temptations that are out there for young men, for young women, and it's starting younger and younger with the technology that we have um, and the evil schemes um, that are just prevalent everywhere. And so the point that the psalmist is saying is that this isn't just a a 2023 epidemic or issue. It's throughout human history that there is a great uh, temptation to not live the pure life that God has designed for us. And so how does he keep his way pure? What it says right here, by guarding it according to your word. And so, so often we try to uh, fix it by different ways and there's a lot of help, but I think sometimes we fail to start with God's word. By guarding according to your word. God wants to spare the young man, the young woman, from a life of sin. And some of us, if we had time thinking about our own testimonies and lives, many of us maybe made not so great decisions in our teens and 20s that we're still paying for the consequences today. And if we could help that generation by saying, man, don't make these mistakes. Don't, you don't have to go down that road. You don't have to get mixed up with those people, Right? And how do you guard it? You guard it according to God's word. And so the wisdom here is following God's instruction. And so we think about a lot of different uh, pictures. And this one I I, I found and I thought about. In Alaska, uh, the roads sometimes aren't as great as Auburn, right? But... um, Sometimes we think there's a lot of correlation, but uh, there's ruts that happen with the snow and the roads deteriorating with the, the freezing and unfreezing. And so there's ruts that, that form. And so they have signs that say, hey, pick your rut correctly or the right rut because you're gonna be in it for 20 plus miles. And you think about that in our own life in some ways, right? Sometimes we set our course of life by getting in ruts when we're in our teens and 20s and we can't get out for many, many years. And so you think about, man, how do we set our life on course and how do we stay in that right rut? And it comes right from our text. How does, it keep his way, his, uh, how does a young man keep his way pure? Right here, just 
the way, the rut, all the same word in Hebrew. And so we think about it, uh, God's word can help us. I listed a whole pile of uh, ways that God shows us um, how to live a life in step with him. Um, He shows us the standard for purity, the reasons to be pure. He shows us the difficulty and reminds us to be on guard. And he also tells us about the blessings of, of living a pure life. I think sometimes when we come to scripture and we think about being pure, we think about, oh, just don't do this. And we don't ever hear the reason why. And sometimes, sometimes that's, that's a mistake on us because we just wanna protect. But when we come to the scriptures, there's countless pages of stories and examples of someone like David later in his life did not keep his way pure and it disintegrated his family. And it was a lot of pain. There's a lot of uh, brokenness that took place. And so I think for some of us young people, uh, if you're here, just think about why God wants you to live pure. It's not because uh, he doesn't want you to enjoy those things, but he has it set in a certain time, in a certain institution of marriage that's so vital and so important. And so when we think about it, God's ways are higher and better. And science is just finally catching up to what God's word says about cohabitation, about uh, relationships that involve sex before marriage, and it's detrimental to ongoing and future relationships. The stats aren't there that, that a lot of us maybe want to believe about cohabitation. And so God's word is that standard, and we need to continue to apply ourselves, and it is the roadmap. It's the way, it's the rut to follow in life. And so in the next couple verses, the passages that we'll read here, they, they come back to the application of how to make your heart a home for God's word. And so I find it so interesting as we read the gospels, Jesus is tempted by Satan. And what does he use to combat the temptations that Satan throws at him? He uses God's word. And so if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me, amen? And so that's what it comes down to. How is our heart, how have we stored up God's word in our heart so that we can defeat those lies? The, the, maybe the, the social media uh, sites or the, the people that wanna uh, chip away at our faith. How can we store up God's word in our heart? Well, first it starts in verse 10 with not a divided heart, one that's not uh, wishy-washy, it's not one in one, one world and one in the Bible or something like that. Uh, has anybody ever talked to someone who's watching a game really intently and tried to talk to them? It, it's, it's a losing battle, right? They, you do not have, they do not have the attention that you want from them. You're not getting it, right? And so it's the same way with God. When we are reading God's word, how, what's our mind like? What are the distractions? I know I have a, a five-month-old, so I know about like, you know, trying to read the Bible and hold, you know, squirmly kids, you know. And so, but how can you limit the distractions so that you can hear God and read his word and make your heart a home for his word? And so we think about it here, right? That's storing up God's word in our hearts. Verse 11, right? Storing up God's word in our heart. That's how we make our hearts a home is by storing it up, by memorizing scripture. And so we think about it in in that context, are we memorizing scripture? It's one thing to read it, and we should definitely read it, but are we memorizing scriptures so when the lies of the enemy come or when uh, people try to get us off path, do we have verses that come to mind? Have we been diligent to memorize it? 
And so uh, I was talking with a friend, and she's, uh, that's what she's gone to. Like nighttime, it's been really rough at night, the lies of the enemy just coming back and forth. And so she has memorized scripture for those specific moments. The Bible is full of them. Isaiah 41.10 is a really good one about God being with us and upholding us, upholding us with his righteous right hand. And so for us, are we storing up God's word for us? And memorization is precisely what he's calling for. It's memorizing scripture. And uh, some of us may think, oh, so do I have to memorize the entire Bible? Well, that would be fantastic. That would be amazing. And then maybe like, do I have to memorize Psalm 119? Again, that would be amazing. And I challenged the, uh, the first service that if they memorized all of Psalm 119, I would take them to a Mariners game on my dime. So I think I feel like I should call, you know, give you guys that challenge as well. Um, and I didn't give them a, a time limit. So they're like, I'll come back in three years. And I was like... Okay, fair enough, yeah, fair enough. So memorizing scripture, and, and so I'm not saying that you gotta memorize the entire Bible, I'm not saying you gotta memorize the whole uh, Psalm 119, however, that would be helpful, and that was super imp- uh, imperative for William Wilberforce, who abolished slavery in the British Empire, right? He memorized Psalm 119, and that was what he came back to dri- driving him to continue uh, to the, his mission and plan. Also, we have Henry Martin and David Livingston from the 19th century who were great missionaries to India and Africa that shared the gospel in those continents, in those countries. And they memorized Psalm 119. And that was their driving force and what encouraged them when the road was tough and there was not a lot of converts. They continued to come back to God's word because they had memorized it and applied it to their life. And so how can we memorize scripture? How, is that, how can we do that? Well, there's apps. And then there's the classic way that I do is just writing it out. Just write it out. I know we don't do that anymore. If you type, I guess that could be helpful. But just memorizing scripture by just writing it out and finding those. Just, Anyways, moving on. So as we come to the last part of our, our passage here, uh, the, it, the psalmist transitions to uh, teaching and to declaring. Teaching and declaring. It's so important as believers that we are finding pastors and teachers who are preaching and expositing the word of God. And they're doing it from a a bright understanding of God's word. And so when we look, and I, I I listen to a lot of sermons and a lot of pastors throughout the week, it's super important as we're discerning who to listen to. Do they preach the word? Do they hold scripture in high authority? Do they, uh, does it align with scripture? As Acts 17 talks about, do, do, we, do we have the Bible open before us so that we can test and take what they've said and, and does it line up with scripture? It is so important because otherwise we could be tossed to and fro by malicious people that have evil intent that wanna use God's word to manipulate us. And that happened throughout church history quite a bit. So why wouldn't it happen today? So it's important that we are studying God's word so that we can continue to walk in step with him. And so also you think about uh, preaching or teaching, right? So many of us, right, God has gifted us in declaring God's truth. And so continue to fan that into flame. There's opportunities, right, to teach, to lead a Bible study, to to help in the uh, student and kids ministry of sharing the gospel with the next generation. And then you also think about for our own lives, with my lips in verse 13, I will declare all the rules of your mouth. I need to preach the gospel to myself all day and every day. 
because otherwise I will be prone to try to make it about myself or I'll try to be perfect or good enough and I will never be. I need the gospel of Jesus Christ that died for me, rose again, and stands at the right hand of God. And so we think about it for our own lives. We need to continue to hear the gospel, hear God's word, but we need to make sure that we have our Bibles open, that we're studying it, we're applying it, and we're making sure that it's in step with God's revealed word. And so as we think about it in the last two, pass- two verses here, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. And so when we think about studying and meditating on scripture, it is so vital to let it soak and we soak in God's word. It's not something that we just spend two minutes first thing in the morning and just read it and just say, oh, I'm done, got it. No, it's that time of sitting and soaking in it. And so maybe it is you read one or two verses and just let it, just sit there and read it a couple more times and just soak in it. A practice that's uh, super helpful for many of us when we um, just are really tired is like we mow the lawn and then right when we sit in the backyard and just enjoy the beauty of God's creation or the lawn that we just mowed. And that's the same idea here of delighting, delighting in God's word, of just sitting it, just having it open, reading it, reading again, praying it, asking the Lord, just soaking in that word. And it'll just do wonders to our soul and wonders to us. And so we think about it, God's word, right? His desire is for us to live that blessed life, to not be tossed to and fro by culture, be thrown around, but to continue to walk in step with how he designed life and how he designed our lives. And so he gave us his, his, his word and it's revealed. And, and what I don't want us to hear is like, man, we glorify God's word above a relationship with God. no. God's word reveals that God wants a relationship with us. And so therefore we praise God and we draw near to him through his word. And so we know about God because he's chosen to reveal himself in his word. And so this, this is our, our anchor, right? Through every storm, every life. And so as we close, um, I had written like kind of a summary to kind of summarize it all. And then I was studying and uh, came across this um, this. Uh, uh, quote, and so I'm like, you know what, that's way better. So I'm just gonna give Charles Spurgeon credit, um, but I had something similar, I had something similar, so don't think I'm, I'm wimping out here. Uh, he says, reflecting on these first two stanzas, blessedness is ascribed to those who treasure up the testimonies of the Lord, in which is implied that they search the scriptures, that they come to an understanding of them, that they love them, and then that they continue to in practice of them. We must first get a thing before we can keep it. In order to keep it well, we must get a firm grip of it. We, not, we cannot keep it in the heart that which we have not heartily embraced by the affections. And so as we think about the blessed life, the heart of God and his word, right? That's what it's all about is continuing to practice in them, to grab a hold of them, to help us in those times of trial. And so I don't know, as we, as we kind of land the plane this morning, I don't know where, where, where God is speaking to you. Uh, maybe, maybe you feel like, man, I wanna spend more time in God's word. And I, that's my goal, that's my prayer. And so uh, Psalm 119, we only cover the first 16 verses. There are, uh, what, 160 more verses to study. Uh, so yeah, that could be this afternoon. Could be a great... Uh, great opportunity. There's also some fantastic, I know you guys laugh, but I'm serious. Like if you read through it, there's gonna be a treasure trove of blessings that you will come across. But also there's other resources. 
And so there's apps that can encourage us as we stay on plan reading the Bible, right? And there can be commentaries that we can search. Uh, a great resource that we utilize in great students is the Bible Project. And so they make really great um, visual aids and uh, resources, curriculum, that help us read the Bible, understand it, and see the, the biblical storyline throughout Genesis through Revelation, and see it as a complete story that leads to Jesus. And so there's a lot of resources, and um, the biggest thing is to find a Bible, right? And some people ask, what's the best translation? I use English Standard Version, but really the best translation is a translation that you have, the Bible that you have right in front of you. Read it, read it, and uh, continue to study it, meditate on it, um, and you'll find that God's word has so much to say to us that we're facing today. And it can help us through every trial. And first and foremost, it reveals that God loves us and that God has uh, sent his son to die for us, to give us salvation and eternal life. And that's the greatest news there ever is. And it's found right here in God's word. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that in spite of all our imperfections and sinful behavior and different things, you don't leave us abandoned without a roadmap to find you and find uh, Jesus Christ. And we thank you for Jesus. Perfect savior, the perfect high priest who obeyed the law perfectly, died in our place, obeyed uh, all the rules that we were supposed to, uh, to honor you, to live in step with you. And so we thank you, Jesus, for dying in our place. And so God, today, if, um, if we're here and we just, man, we, we just, we know that we have not, um, put our faith in Jesus Christ because we've been trying to do it on our own. May the, through the Holy Spirit uh, just remove those lies, remove that bondage, that baggage, the, um, the weight of it all. Because yeah, we'll never be perfect. We can never obey your law perfectly. And so God, we ask you uh, to remove those so that we could accept Jesus Christ and to live for you and enjoy that blessed life. God, we pray that uh, for many of us, we just... Um, yeah, through the summer, it just our reading habits, uh, reading your word, meditating on it, studying it, it's just kind of falling off, off the track. And we wanna get back on that track. And so God, would you uh, help us uh, in the midst of all the distractions, midst of everything that's going on, would you motivate our hearts um, so that we can make a home for your word, so we could draw close to you and be refreshed. Pray us in Jesus' name.